Welcome to the Activating Consciousness podcast platform. This platform is an amalgamation of a number of platforms from HexoChange, including Activating Consciousness, the Right Here, Right Now live show, the Inside Out show, and also the repurposing of a number of blogs, vlogs, poems, and other forms of media that all combine together are here to offer you the opportunity to raise the level of consciousness in yourself, in those around you, and in society at large. We believe at HexoChange that we are on the cusp of an exponential shift in human consciousness, unleashing the potential that we have never imagined possible. We hope to go on that journey with you together, and feel free to subscribe at hexochangenow.com. One word for regular updates. See you around. Hi there, welcome to the Right Here, Right Now live show. This show has one simple question. What's on your heart and mind right here, right now in this moment? We explore the depths and breadths of our humanity through that one simple question over the course of 30 to 45 minutes. I hope that you'll join us. I hope you'll enjoy the exploration. And this tune was created for me personally by the incredible Peter Griffiths, one half of the amazing Mind Takeaway. Do let us know what you think, let us know what you take away, and of course, we always welcome challenges too. Hope to see you on the exploration. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Most importantly, hey Paul, Paul McCarthy, the first ever returning guest to the Right Here Right Now show. How are you doing, my friend? Gary, Gary. Hello, nice to see you again. I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. It's Friday over here, and uh, yeah, it's been a long week. But uh, always good to see you again. Uh, likewise, my friend. Well, I'm really intrigued. Let's say I've been observing your emergence over the last several months around your your five leadership works. So I definitely want to go and dive into that again. Uh, for mm. anyone that's joining us either live or watching this back, do check out Paul's uh, LinkedIn site. You can see it below. And before we get going, for those that may not know you, uh, Paul, just give us a little bit of a two-minute lowdown. You know, who's Paul McCarthy, what you're working on, so people can get a, a bit of a sense as to the seed for our journey today. Yeah, yeah. I had to condense that in 60 <laughs> seconds or less. Um, and I love the word emergence, so I'll come back to that. Um, I'm basically a leader in, you know, 25 years of corporate work, and my expertise has been building consulting practices and leading them as well as delivering leadership development to clients, household names across the world. And I've been fired as a, as a leader for practicing what I preach and demonstrating qualities that I was hired for. So in a nutshell, I scratched my head a bit like this and basically said, I wonder if we're developing leaders in the way that we need to for the future and uh, for future disruption that's coming. This was four years ago. And I realized through my peer reviewed research and interviews and all of this kind of um, hypothesis forming that we were not. So that was when fired leadership was born. And so I've, I've started this quest, this ecosystem around reframing how we look at leaders that we want to fire. In fact, how we reframe the narrative to say we're firing the wrong leaders for the wrong qualities. We're not encouraging diversity of thought and we're not actually um, incorporating these types of qualities and leaders into our identification, recruitment, onboarding and development of leaders. And so I'm saying the system is broken 
and I'm giving people the blue pill or the red pill and I'm taking them on a journey. <laughs> and and it's uncomfortable, it's overwhelming, it's exciting, it's emerging, and it's what we need to discuss for the future of leadership. So that in a nutshell is, is what I'm what I'm doing. I'm disrupting the status quo and I'm regenerating the conversation in this area because it's well overdue. Well, first of all, good on you. Second of all, I just think it's so critically important. It's only been in the last seven days, Paul, as I've been yeah, observing a number of interesting evidences, <laughs> evidence points to reinforce that why your work's so important. And there's a Forbes article I read in the past seven days that showed about a, a chief diversity officer being mm. brought in to turn around the lack of diversity within the business. So when they started to actually pull back the, uh, the covers to find out why the organization wasn't diverse, guess what? They got fired. So there's a very real-life example of exactly why you're doing what you're doing. So I'd love to mm. come to, like, we're doing a little bit different today. You know, we, I will ask you what's on your heart and mind, but I think I'm really particularly keen to really dive into your work a bit more today because it's I believe it's so critically important because you're talking about disruption, you're talking about emergence, you're talking about it being uncomfortable. This is not what we teach in business school, right? No, no. <laughs> we we don't teach leaders how to cope with disruption, ambiguity, organizational politics. We don't orientate them around the real workings of an organizational structure. We certainly don't talk to them about the, the landmines, the political and ego-based leadership landmines that every leader I know, and I've, I've talked to thousands, I've worked with thousands more, has stepped on in their career. And this example of the chief diversity officer is just one of many, Gary, that's stacking up, right? This is why we have figures like $7 trillion of disengagement every year that Gallup estimates. That number's rising. This is why it costs between two and 400% of a leader's base salary to replace them. Right? These costs mount up. And in this age of DEI and, and everything that's going on with the agenda, which I you know, wholeheartedly support, what we're not doing is celebrating and bringing in that diversity of thought that leaders who have different approaches can bring, because that, that can actually encourage um, our organizations to evolve in different ways. And we're not really open to that because we, we've got this culture, quite frankly, Gary, of um, leadership groupthink. And this mm -hmm. is why toxicity is allowed to flourish. I'm not going to go into it, but this is why organizational politics is such a key issue to discuss. I mean, I'm starting to see people on other podcasts who are great people, reputable in their, their areas, but they're trying. And I knew I was going to go down this path. So full admission. Um, they're, they're well intentioned, but they're trying to normalize the dysfunction that mm -hmm. it's okay to ride the political bandwagon. Toxicity is all part of the game. It's not. My role is to open the kimono and unveil the truth because we're all in, in this system and we all have a choice on whether we, we, we encourage it and, um, or, 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 or try to shift the narrative within it. So, so that chief diversity officer you talked about, Gary, was someone that was exactly a fired leader, a leader who has the five qualities of the fired leader. And they were doing what we say 
what they were hired to do. They're doing what they said they would. Um, they delivered what was on the tin. Mm -hmm. So I'm sharing right now an example. Um, so this is the, the article in Forbes. Mm -hmm. Amazing human being, um, Janice um, Gassam. You can find on LinkedIn. And she speaks really, you know, she speaks really, really clearly, very eloquently. You know, how do you change from the inside out? And here, look, too often individuals are placed in chief diversity officer roles with no, and the senior leaders do not really have, have the intention to give them the power to make actual change. Now, that's the point I want to sit on, right? Because I think what you're speaking to with fired leadership is a redistribution of power. It's a very intentional, you who hold the power in the past, you can still be very important. You can still make a huge difference to your business, but it's no longer just about you, ex-co member, mm -hmm. CEO leader. It's about you plus, 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 plus. And are you going to give up your power to allow those other people to rise in and around you so that, that everybody can drive forward in a healthy, inclusive way? That's what I'm taking away. Feel free to add build or challenge on that, Paul. Yeah, Gary, the first thing I'm going to ask you is why are we still talking about power? Like the future organizational structure does not actually um, state that we will we will um, use leaders in a way that's hierarchical to enforce power dynamics and divisions. Like so, without going too technical into to years of work, you know we're facing a shift not just in our narrative about leadership and the roles that we play in organizations, but about the actual macro level organizational structure so we are shifting mm -hmm. from draconian hierarchical matrix driven organizational structures to this concept of self-managed so mm -hmm. i say this on every podcast every interview anything that i that i can get an opportunity to talk about it people think there's this this fluffy notion that oh we're just going to all come to the office sit on beanbags and sing kumbaya in a self-managed structure no this is devolving power structure. This is delegating decision-making to different levels in the organization. This is actually encouraging the creation of organizational structures to be more like a rainforest ecosystem with separate P&Ls, with, with, with this kind of networked approach rather than, Gary, you're my boss, I have to answer to you and make sure everything I do aligns with what your vision is. They're the old days, I, I keep saying, mm -hmm. Uh, for anyone that will listen, you know, and I, I've come through my emergence on this journey to embody what, where I'm now. And, and that's no, you know, this isn't a plug for you at all, but that's in no, no short order that, that you've helped me with this in my, my journey, because you've helped me reframe how I approach the world with my message, because mm -hmm. I wanted to come straight at it and say, the system's broken. We need to shift the narrative. I want to throw a grenade in the middle of the room and blow this power dynamic up the world's not ready for that right we're teetering around the edges so in my journey that you've helped me on to articulate where i am i'm building the audience up i'm saying isn't it time that we awaken to the fact that we live and we we lead in a dysfunctional toxic quite corrupt environment okay now that we're awake how much are we aware of this and the impact of this on our leadership style our approach to actually getting things done in an organization. Once we're aware of the true extent of that, we can then make a decision because we've emerged, we're acknowledging it. We now realize that our end-to-end -end leadership systems are rife with dysfunction, rife with politics, rife with power dynamics, une unequal power dynamics. And then we get to a point where we've taken normalized dysfunction 
and we've reframed the way we see our organizations and our approach to leadership. And we've now started to incorporate things like disruptive and rebellious leadership qualities. So in the old world, we see those qualities as challenging us and you know, offering too much of a dissenting perspective like this chief diversity officer did is not welcomed. Well, I envisage mm -hmm. a world where that is welcomed and we've reframed disruption. So those disruptive qualities leaders have become the norm in the future, culminating in reframing our whole approach to leadership. That's where fired leadership comes in. So you taught me, Gary, whether you knew this or not, I wanted to go for the jugular. You taught me mm -hmm. to stop, slow down, slowly emerge so that I can truly embody the work mm -hmm. that I'm taking out to the world. And I've done that. And it's been painful, exciting, overwhelming. And I'm starting to see people saying, oh, you're now talking my language. I understand what you're talking about now. You don't just want to blow the whole thing up. You want to reshift the, the imbalance. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I've wanted to do all along. But my maturing on this whole journey has been a painful one for people, including you, to watch. So, so absolutely, I, I know I ranted there, but um, power is going to be a thing of the past in the future organization. And until yeah. we grapple with that, um, then, then we'll still take the blue pill. It, it, and, and people can still take the blue pill. We're offering them a different path ahead if they choose to accept it. I love that so much, Paul. I'm so, I've got so much I want to reflect on. But first, I want to acknowledge Kathleen. Thanks for popping along. Great to see you. Cheers yeah. for being a disruptor with need T-shirts. I love that so much. We're getting them. <laughs> Kathleen, we are getting them. I'm telling you, you're part of the tribe. We're going to get them. Definitely. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing fired leadership on everybody's top. Um, I love it. The very cool thing, and I want to really point this out, it's so, so, so important. So you're, so one, yes, totally agree with you. It's not about the old type of power. I guess I'd put a little bit of a thing in the mix around there will always be a power dynamic because we're human. There will always be an interplay. Like mm -hmm. different, there, there's always going to be a perception of power, whether it's true or not. And I think it's a case of how do we actually, like in a self-managed organization, as I'm learning, it's the agreements we have with one another that we are conscious enough to know that if we're starting to overstep our mark or we're starting to exert privilege, for example, me as a white male, you as a white male, there is naturally in our socialized systems as power imbalance without you or I even saying anything. That's just, that's just the way it is at the moment. But that, that, I believe, with self-management will change over time. People will start to see each other as fundamentally human using fi your fired methodology because it gets rid of all of this noise. And that's why I'm so excited about what you're doing is it's a really beautiful framework to go, actually, let's put the power over here, whatever our perception of it is, on the side of the table. And now that's an energy source. What do we now want to use that energy for together? Mm. So, Gary, can I just can I come back to something? Challenge away, please do. I, I don't normally go down this path, and, and it's not in my, my philosophy to kind of um, make this about um, race or gender or, or, you know, the DEI agenda. I, I, I celebrate, I endorse it, and I, I encourage it. I, I, you know, it scratches my head why we need it, because why aren't we all equal in, in the world that, that we live in? Well, that's my anthropological background coming in. Um, but I, I was taken down a path by a very well-known influencer who's part of Thinkers 50 now. Um, you know, great, great chat show host kind of approach and, and, and really, really quite um, accomplished in what, what they do. 
And and they we went down this path and I didn't want to do it at first because the fired leadership qualities and my work transcends boundaries. It's not about white male, female, someone with one arm, one leg. Personally, it doesn't matter to me. That's agnostic for what I'm really doing. I'm trying to have the conversation at the higher level, which is the systemic and the institutional dysfunction. Why do we have these labels in the first place? That's what I'm going to. I'm going up a level. But I want to come back to this point about, so I'm a white guy, right? So I inevitably have this, uh, the perception is that I inevitably have more privilege than others. But on this particular discussion that I had, with this influencer months ago, they had made a judgment about me because I'm white, that I was I was the same as every other white guy. I'm Irish. Mm-hmm. And did you know the persecution that Irish people faced by the English? You'd probably do because you're from that, that part of the world. But there's an assumption that's inherent that if you see someone of the same skin color, their experiences must be all the same. But mm-hmm. the Irish suffered great persecution. They're not a race but they, they suffered ex, excruciating pain because of their beliefs, their religious beliefs, their, their philosophies. So I think we're in this, this in danger of actually oversimplifying and overgeneralizing. Hey, you're a white guy, you've got privilege, you must be the same as everyone else. No, let's reintroduce conversation to the mix, real purpose-based mm-hmm. meaningful conversation. I'm intrigued about you, Gary. I don't look at you and see the color of your skin. I wanna know, what's in your mind, your thought where. And that's what the future currency for leadership is going to be based on. Not not your your the the outward extrinsic characteristics of you. I think that's important to acknowledge and have these discussions, but we're over politicizing to the extent that we're missing out, I think, on the most important thing, which is how do we encourage and celebrate diversity of thought and thinking? And how do we create the conditions to encourage, in fact, I'll scrap that, mandate that every single future leader dares to think and act differently. How do we do that? That's my BHAG. It's brilliant. And and I think we're speaking to the we're speaking, no, we're speaking, I believe, to the to the same point. But it comes from a place as well of of acknowledgement. And it is about curiosity, right? It's about curiosity. Oh, here's Lucy. Lovely to see uh, Lucy. More curiosity about each other. Love it. Absolutely. And I and I think, but the thing is, I want to hold space for like another part of this, which is why A, I think your work's powerful, but also I'm going to add an extra layer of complexity. Because this is also the work that we did, right? Is actually how do you hold space for complexity for mm. emergence, for the unknown? Because every other system that currently we exist within is about assurance, is about guarantees, it's about results, it's about ROI. You know, it's about not even taking a decision unless we're absolutely 99% sure it's going to deliver something. Whereas what we're talking about is the complete antithesis, and it needs to be. And now I'm going to be, we're being quite bold today, right? Like, this is a very, this is a privileged conversation, Paul. We've both got technology. We both trust each other. Neither one of us are at risk of being killed. That's not the same for a lot of people around the planet right now who just Mm -hmm. want us to get by day by day, right? So... That's why I think what, but the point of what you're doing is critical because the more that we come from that elevated, highly conscious, connected, inclusive, curious state, then we accelerate our humanity collectively without a shadow of a doubt. So I guess I come at it from the point of view that you're right. We don't want to get stuck there, 
But I think we need to be comfortable enough to get uncomfortable that it is part of our history. It is mm -hmm. where we are. So how do we actually progress to fired leadership, but, but without avoiding the sometimes need to be in that melee, but still holding on to the, the absolute, yeah, it's all about this. It is at a high level. It's a higher frequency. But how do we acknowledge what's gone, like where we are whilst being on that journey? So I think there's an important, it's an and thing for me, not an or, that makes sense? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's always an and, it's not an either or. Uh, and for me, it, it, you know, what you mentioned there is key, which is how do we hold, how, how do we hold the space? So how do we create the conditions to hold the space for discomfort? We don't teach that to leaders in leadership business school. No, no one gets the memo on that one, right? You just turn up and you're, you're put into this environment. It's like, oh, there's a meeting before the meeting. You're not invited. Oh, mm. so what culture does that create? Where does that, you know, it, when, when, and there's this polarity because there's absolutely in the work you and I did and I do with leadership teams, I cre we create the space to hold complexity and discomfort and the unknown. Yet there's a disconnect and an incongruence with a lot of the leadership teams I'm working with and have worked with in the last five years. When you go in with that that lens, the typical responses that you get, Gary, are, oh, a consultant here, tell us what to do and sing Kumbaya, or we get the rolled eyes. Or my, my favorite one, you're the guy that's been sent in to keep us happy. It's like, really? Because uh, you don't, if, if you're not open and curious, I think Lucy's point about you know being curious is key. If as a leader, you're not open and curious to yeah there you go at least more curious about each other love it if we don't encourage and create the conditions for our future leaders to be curious about themselves before they're curious about others then how how can we in inject curiosity which by the way the inquisitive nature is the eye and fired methodology and francesca gino does some great work in rebel talent about the business case for curiosity but we can't teach curiosity to people if they're not inherently curious about themselves which means they have to go to the dark spaces, their shadow sides, the, the parts that they feel uncomfortable with. But when you talk to leadership teams about that in today's world, they're just interested in P&L, ROI. Um, you know, is this going to make me money? Um, is this going to make me uh, ahead of the competition? So, Gary, people like us, I think, are approachable mavericks in the sense that we're trying to shift the system from the inside out. Right. Yeah. Because the way we've been doing it has got us the results we've always got. But if we're mm -hmm. looking for exponential and quantum leap growth, we have to shift our our internal narrative before we can do anything else. And my my fear, and this is why I love Kathy's point, my fear is that we, we, we need to get rid of the old guard before we actually do this properly. Because the, the there are some that we can shift, but they're going to be, as I said to a, a, a former partner in one of the big four consultant firms that fired me, I said, you're going to be a relic, a dinosaur, a line on a bloody T-shirt. Right? The future leader will be different. And people say, yeah, 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 yeah. But now we're starting to see it. And guess what's at the, the, the heart of all of this, Gary? It's your point, which is crystally made, clearly made. How do we create the space? to have these uncomfortable conversations. And that's what I'm doing. Not because it's a gimmick, not because I want someone's ego to react and 
kind of like because once emotion gets into it we know it's a lost cause let's put the issues out on the table let's create a space amanda lang talks about it beautifully in the beauty of discomfort no change that's meaningful and sustainable happens by being comfortable right mm -hmm. so get off your ass accept it's going to be uncomfortable get in the ring and do the bloody work that's my mantra great and this is why i love what you've just shared though is that you're not again anybody watching us is lucy still with us kathleen anybody else this is the difference like you the difference i've seen in you in the last eight weeks is you've had the vision you've been modeling it but mm. your clarity there's yeah. a clarity and an energy and an integration in how you speak and communicate this vision and i'd love to any questions kathleen lucy anybody else any challenges throw them into the mix we don't want this just to be paul and i do feel to to chip in Oh yeah, but that's what but that's what I absolutely love, right? And that's why this is so important. I, I'm gonna because there's one other thing that's on my heart and mind right now with all of this stuff. And Lucy will know this as my co-host of the Inside Out show. Like this big system stuff. Like you're looking at the like the organizational system, right? I'm then looking also at the climatic system and the sustainability of our a human race on the planet. We've got this ESG thing, right? Environmental sustainability governance. That's another area right for fired leadership, right? Because we're just coming yeah. out of COP, COP26 in the UK. Who, who are the leaders that are representing fired leadership? There's a, what is she? Is she 18 now, Greta? There's 21-year-old boys. There's 23-year-old women. They are the ones that are naming the absolute mm -hmm. categoric shit that we are in. That if we carry on with more of the same, we will not be here in 50 years. They're under 25 years old, Paul, and they are naming it. Yeah, and we're just seeing a load. We're just seeing a load of greenwashed. Yeah, it'll be fine in net twenty net twenty fifty. That's like twenty. Like that's twenty eight years away. Twenty nine years. Yeah. Do we genuinely believe? I'm sorry. I'm going to get a little bit like because obviously it's a passionate exploration. I, I work in it. the chemical. I work in the chemicals industry, as you know. I've been doing some research. Like one of the most extractive. One of the most extractive um, industries on the planet. But again, being on the inside out, totally reinforce your point i think is think is important not to go oh we told you so but to try and help facilitate and hold space to get from where we are mm. to where we need to be in 1971 paul in 1971 total oils internal scientists predicted we would be where we are today 50 years later in 1982 exxon predicted we would be exactly where we are Okay, one more, best one. I was in Milan this week at a pharmaceutical exhibition within my, my day job. I learned firsthand that in the late 90s, ExxonMobil were running an internal training course pool on how to handle an attack by Greenpeace. Okay, that was an internal <laughs> training, right? Just, just think about this, right? Mm. Why would you trust? Why would we trust for another 29 years the very same methodology and mindset that knew what was coming 40, 50 years ago, why would we trust them? Why would any of us trust that way of leadership to get us to where we really need to be? Like, so I'm really excited because mm -hmm. I see fired leadership popping up all over the place, almost involuntarily, involuntarily, but as it comes with through you and the work that you're doing, and I think the tribe that's growing around you, like mm -hmm. it is right for this fired leadership because there is no other option apart from fight leadership for me, to be honest. Yeah, Gary, uh, so much that you said resonates and, and so many areas I can take. I mean, <clears throat> I, so I, I um, 
the first the first point I think that I, I want to acknowledge and I, I think that that is often an under discussed thing is this concept of hypocrisy. And we're all hypocrites, right? And and so you're a hypocrite <laughs> working in the industry you're in. I'm a hypocrite because I'm I'm you know one of my current clients is in that industry as well. Um, but here's the thing the finger pointers and those that just want to talk about it all they do is point out the hypocrisy. I'm I'm here to say, yeah, you know what? Sometimes we are hypocrites. Let's acknowledge that. Let's put that in the den as well. Let's face that. But that's not the subject that we're here to discuss. We can have a view on something and be a hypocrite. We can advance the agenda and still be a hypocrite. So one of my great friends, and I, I'm not naming or plugging this person at all, but she's one of my best friends, and it's relevant to this conversation. And I, I highly encourage that you, if she's able to talk with you, that you do this. But one of the co-founders of Extinction Rebellion is my best friend, Skeena of Thor. I don't obviously put that out too much, but now obviously the world knows. But doing tremendous work in this area that you just referred to and, and, and is on board with future progressive approaches to leadership. And we've been talking for years about this whole concept. And, and the time is right now. The time is right. It, and here's the thing. When every great revolutionary, and I'm not suggesting I'm a revolutionary or she's a revolutionary or you're a revolutionary, because I, I don't like labels, right? But, but we're doing something. We're getting off our ass and we're actually doing something about it. Instead of being, you know, what Brene Brown calls like throwing popcorn on peanuts from the cheap seats, yeah. We're getting off our ass and getting in the den and saying, yeah, throw it at us. But we still got something to say and we want to make the world a better place. So, you know, for, yeah. for me, the world is about people that talk about making a difference or actually make a difference. Right. And it all comes down to the power of pursuit, because you could talk all day in a room with fancy flip charts about changing the world or you can do something about it and make a little step change every day, even if you're a hypocrite. But let's take that hypocrisy card off the table and let's let's. So every person that's been a revolutionary has been revered in some way. But before the change that they have made sticks, they've been slighted. They've been criticized. They've been dismissed. They've been discredited. They've been undermined. Every single one of those things has happened to me on my journey. Now, you're just a bitter leader, Paul, who's been fired. You just want to get your own back at the establishment. No, I've woken up and I'm saying this kind of behavior costs us $7 trillion every year, $500 billion spent every year on developing leaders, and that leadership development doesn't work. The, the, these big names that we all know that have written books and books are part of the challenge. They're part of propagating a broken system. Why aren't we talking about that? We're all equal here. We all have an equal say about how the future unfolds. So your research to me, Gary, like those things you've just revealed is, is not surprising because we, we will not face things as our human condition until it's too late. That is just the way we are. Why don't we learn from, from, from history and, and previous wars? Why do we keep repeating the same mistakes? It's, it's we so finally have an opportunity to shift the, the imbalance. And it all comes down to awareness. Once you've got awareness and you're awake to it, what are you going to do then? How is history going to judge you? How do you want history to judge you? That's my question. 
Beautiful. That's a great question for anyone out there. How do you want history to judge you? And again, and this is, I think it's great though, like when you use the word hypocrisy, you know, I'm writing a lot at the moment and I'm finding it flowing. I'm writing poetry, which is something I never dreamed of doing. I'm finding the creative endeavors are a brilliant way to allow, and it's an invitation for anyone watching us live or watching this back. If you're someone that's watching this going, well, this is a bit challenging, or actually, Jesus, this has gone a direction I didn't expect. Like, this is completely unscripted. But the oh, creative yeah. the, the, the creative elements, whether it is poetry, whether it's going, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's playing, playing a musical instrument, whether it's, you know, gardening, whatever the thing is for you that gets you out of here and your hands in the soil or out in nature, it's amazing, the insights. It's amazing, the freedom and the emergence, again, this word, Paul, that can come through. And I think if, if we can, and it is space holding. Like for me, it is everything mm -hmm. is about space holding. Like how do we get, because no one needs to be fixed, right? No, Nobody is actually broken. Exactly. Gonna, Nobody's broken. You know, it's an awareness piece. And I love you say that. And if you, you can swap awareness for consciousness, right? It's just an unconscious, like those, those examples I'm giving you, it could be conscious. Like I actually think part of it is conscious to put out, you know, denying climate science, you know, climate denial, like that's a very intentional act to protect a small subset mm -hmm. of people staying in control back to power, right? Like that is intentional. Like, so you can't get away from that part at that sort of systemic level. But the more of us that are in this dialogue, not worrying about what they aren't or are doing, what are we each doing, every one of us, to find one another, to share mm -hmm. these different lived experiences, to lift each other up, to build networks through and around one another? Because... There is nothing, back to your point about self-management, that's what I'm really excited about. Like, if you look at Extension Rebellion, whatever your view is of them, they've got a one-page manifesto around self-management, how they self-organize. Mm. One page. They don't have a mm. big, they don't have a hundred address code and, like, you must be in work at this time or if you fall out with your manager, go to these three people. Like, they've got one single A4 page around how they organize themselves and look at the impact they've had in the last five years. Yeah, like, yeah, just fascinating. Um, yeah, it's interesting because uh, uh, my first of several books is is kind of completed, and you know that's a whole other conversation about anyone that thinks it's easy to write a book. You know, DM me and I'll I'll set you straight on that one. But um, you know, what what one of the synopses um, that we've got on the book is you know everything you need to know about leadership on a post-it note. Right, pretty much is is what I'm what my manifesto of fire leadership is because. Gone are the days where we go to, you know, Henley Business School or INSEAD or, you know, and we go in and we have like reams and reams and days and days of learning. We don't, the, again, the other thing that my work centers around is the fact that the future of how we learn is shifting as well. And so these mm -hmm. 60, you know, 60 second, believe it or not, 60 second soundbite kind of learning mechanisms are very popular these days. So, so I just wanted to acknowledge that. But, um, one one of the things that I, I'm I keep coming back to when we talk about emergence, why am I emerging? I ask my that myself that every bloody day, <laughs> and the reason I'm emerging is so that I can ascend. Right, I'm ascending to a future that I want to give to my great grandchildren who become leaders. Right. I don't want them to have the same mess that we have inherited. I want to empower, and people have to be awake before they can be empowered. They have to then decide what to do. 
And so the, the whole the whole reason we're doing this whole whatever you want to call it is so that we can shift our thinking. We can disruptively regenerate the future of leadership by injecting a counterintuitive approach to how we need to develop leaders. And so the eye on the prize is this big picture thing, which is why are we doing it in the first place? It's not for ego. It's not for commercial success. It's not for notoriety. It's to leave this environment in a better place than we than we found it. That's exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. And and I you know I like to I like to think of um, uh, use this mantra around um, Eleanor Roosevelt um, uh, described like there's three levels of of kind of thinking and, and and the way we act. And and those who know me will probably roll their eyes at this, but this is what it really means. Level one thinkers are those who just talk about um you know the gossip they talk about people they talk about what he said she said right level two talk about things and and what's wrong with the world and level three talk about ideas and what can change the world i operate in level three space i drop down into all of the levels like we all do but i would love mm -hmm. to encourage people to review where they think on a daily basis you spend most of your time talking about people like, oh, look, he dropped that. He did that. Why don't they do that this way? Do you talk about things? Oh, look at what's happened. You know, someone said to me the other day that they don't like the queen and what the queen represents. OK, that's great. But if you want to stay in that that space, mm -hmm. stay in that space. But think about something bigger, bigger than you, which is what 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 are we all doing this for? Like, why do we get up in the morning? Like, What is our personal mantra? So anyway, I just share that because because it's it's really what's been pulling me along for the last four years on this quest, this this different way of thinking, and it's it's not conventional, and it can annoy people and frustrate people, and if those aren't if those people aren't open and curious to that, they miss out on a whole bunch of stuff. So exciting, mate. We're going to start to wrap up shortly, but I've got to, I've got to give some, uh, some great comments coming in here. So Lucy shares, I saw a lot of toxic pos positivity at work in the leadership team where she was before. We couldn't go into that shadow side, shadow side, maybe a problem of where she worked. Or do you think that's actually quite common? Yeah, Lucy. Oh, I just, I just jumped in and start to answer. But if you want, do you want to answer Gary or do you want me to? No, no, go for it. No, get chip in. Yeah, Lucy, I've seen this hundreds of times with leadership teams um, so depends on their level of maturity as leaders as well as a leadership team but also the culture that they've created because if there's 10 of us in the leadership team and one of us comes in with new ideas the other nine will i've seen this they, they categorically kind of um oust or or kind of dismiss that idea and so this leadership group thing takes hold because the culture that they operate in they, they've inherited normalized dysfunction. We call it normalization of deviance, mm -hmm. which is it's normal that Lucy's boss doesn't talk to her before a meeting because she goes into a meeting before the meeting. Or it's normal that um, there's always a post meeting and you're not invited. Like we've accepted things like that, silo based leadership culture as normal, but they're not normal. So, so I think the answer to that is it depends on the level of leader self maturity and awareness also the culture of the leadership team but also the organizational culture and again none of this we can't talk about toxicity unless we actually get people to awaken 
to the fact that it exists. And that's a hard thing to do. It's a really hard thing to do. People have, you know, this is why stress, burnout, mental health challenges, there's a reason why we have all these things. And I'm convinced that a key part of it is because we won't talk about toxic workplace environments. Do you know something? And I'd add, I'd add to that as well. Very, probably maybe a bit too simplistic, but I really believe believe it. Not only I'm still in the corporate space, as you know, and as, and as for, for my global network, Paul, there's an inability or a lack of desire to slow down and to feel. Like, for me, that's categorically the biggest thing. Like, as long as we're busy yeah. hitting the next target, we can avoid that feeling of fear or that feeling of anxiety or that difficult conversation. Like, that can all be avoided by being, no, next meeting. No, I've got to be on this plane. No, I've got to avoid it. There's a, it's almost as if, and I know because I was there seven years ago. Like, we are in the workplace, certainly, in the West, probably the average of about nine years old. Like, we're not even hit puberty yet in terms of our level of consciousness as a collective human race within the workplace. I genuinely, mm. genuinely believe that because the behaviours that we're describing are adolescent, if not childish at best. So, you know, what would it look like, back to your point about getting to that top level, what would it look like to be able to come together and actually say, hey, Paul, I can see you're really, really struggling. Or like, I've heard, by the way, as I heard literally a couple of weeks ago, shit, I didn't realise what, you're having to take tablets just to get to sleep. Mm. What, what, what do you mean? What, you're saying that your wife is not the wife you want to have anymore? You were fine three months ago. Like, where, you know, where, do, where do these leaders go? Like, how do they get the vulnerability to try and even start to express that type of internal bodily reaction that they mm. probably don't even realize what their body's telling them? Yeah, the, we, we need so much longer for this conversation. I think, I think you, the, you can only fake transparency and authenticity to a point. And, and I think, you know, I, I'm seeing a lot, a lot of organizations and leadership teams putting the nice, fancy one page laminate, you know, wall mounted menus that, that say exactly that. We create the culture so that you can be vulnerable and human centered with us. And, but, but the proof is in the pudding. And, and the proof is in the sustainable pudding. So it's like asking you once a month how you're doing isn't isn't enough. You you've got to kind of you've got to it's got to be embodied in your DNA as a as a way that you turn up. And, and they don't teach that stuff in leadership business school either, because we still operate under this draconian concept that that's a sign of weakness. You know, if I express my feelings then I'm going to be not very productive and I'm going to you know, miss my deadlines. How many of us do that internal sense check, Gary? How many of us actually step away on a regular basis and say, does my purpose, do my values, do they align with what I'm doing here? And, and how am I feeling about that? Where is the disconnect? That, you know that voice that I keep ignoring in the back of my head? Why am I doing that? What happens if I bring that voice out into the middle of the room? And create the culture in my leadership team to talk about it because we all have those voices and i created this thing called name what you see which is for leadership teams to actually bring out their vulnerability bring out their observations of toxicity and dysfunction mm -hmm. and how they feel into their team see people say to me well that'll never work why you say that you're honest you're transparent well why wouldn't it work there's a complete disconnect and until until we face that reality that we are 
incongruent, that we are contradictory and hip we are hypocrites, right? I mean, there's a there's there's a reason why there's no commercially successful book from one of the main publishers around the world that has leadership and hypocrisy in the title. There's a reason for that. There is an absolute reason for it. I love that. Until love we face that, that we're we're just building a we're building a, a, a castle on quicksand. We're just putting a band-aid onto Genius. another wound. Different shade of lipstick, same pig. Paul, it's just it's like say so we could have three hours today. I think um, it's absolutely. But it, but this is like what I what I hope people observe from this, whether you're with us live or watch this back. We are not actually being critical of anybody. We are we are no. challenging the system, like the system that perpetuates. There's a book that I'm reading called um, "Hospicing Modernity." It's a very mm -hmm. very tough read because it's by someone based in the, an academic based in the global south, and what they're talking about is we are all. Back to your point about, you can call it hypocr hypocrisy. I call it um, paradoxical. You know, same thing, named slightly differently, is we are all of these things, right? I care passionately about turning around the climate challenges. I turn, care passionately about more vulnerable leadership, being more connected to ourselves, others, and systems. But I'm still drinking out of this bottle when I'm having water in this chat. I'm still mm. speaking through a laptop that's literally made of rare earth metals that have been extracted from a mine in Africa probably displacing a local tribe. So, you know, all of this yeah. stuff is actually connected and it's how do we get comfortable with that uncomfortableness so that we heal, yeah? Because yeah. if we don't if we don't feel, we can't heal. And look at that for a little uh, little rhyme. That's the first time oh, that's mate. Out. Put that in a poem. Gary, just before we wrap this up, um, I, there's a couple of points I wanted to, to reiterate and maybe make a new, new point. Um, everything that we're doing in, in my practice and the fire leadership, because fire leadership is one component of, of a bigger bigger picture that we're working on mm -hmm. here. Um, but everything we're doing, does it takes at its core that we're not blaming anyone here. We're holding no judgment. We're not being critical, to your point, of, of those that have been in these positions that have propagated this. You know, what we're saying is let's level the playing field. It's time for a new conversation about the future of leadership. And it's time for one that puts egos aside. So if you can't, and I say this to any leadership team that I work with, if you are unable or unwilling to put your ego aside and you think it's a slight on you that we're doing this work, I'm not interested in talking with you. You're not, you're not part of the mosaic of the future, quite frankly. And so that's no judgment. What I'm saying is that in my, my worldview, I come at it from a place of openness, curiosity, compassion. Now, my compassion, as you know, Gary, on our journey together, has evolved, right? I, I was angry a few years ago, but I'm now much more empathetic and understanding of some of the challenges that people that are in, the, in a broken system face. And I want to support, but it's not from a place of judgment or finger pointing. And, mm -hmm. and the, second, the second point, um, the other point I'll make, and then I'll be quiet, um, is those, when we do get to the table to have the discussions about discomfort, that just want to point out the hypocrisy, that is a smoke, it's a smoke mirror, a smoke screen. It's not, it's masking our ability to have the real conversations that matter. So those that just want to focus on the fact that, like, for instance, Piers Morgan, don't know him from Adam. But he, when when my friend Skeena was on his his show, 
the only thing he focused on was was her hypocrisy that she traveled to the studio in a car which had unleaded fuel he wanted to focus on that which is fine he's got an audience for that but mm-hmm. that detracts from our ability to focus on the level three things that Roosevelt talked about, which is the ideas. How can we change the future if we won't let go of the fact that we're all hypocrites? We need to think about the ideas. And so that's what I would encourage anyone listening to this live or, or playback to do. And stop beating ourselves up. We're in this mess because of us. We can get out of this mess because of us. Well, I think that's like a little mic drop moment for me i think that's a beautiful that's pretty damn good mate that was pretty damn good um that was and not really... even rehearsed no right. rehearsal no agenda nothing when you speak from the heart nothing can go wrong i said that at my granddad's funeral gary packed packed auditorium the priest wanted to um censor what i said as part of the eulogy i said no because when you speak from the heart nothing can go wrong Mic drop number two. Boom. Oh, my God. He's on fire, this boy. You can see what's happening today. <laughs> but no, genuinely, I really appreciate your work. Like I say, thank you, Kathleen. Yeah, look at that. Just just absolutely spot on. It all starts with the individual, spot then on. the culture emerges. Absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, uh, always love Lucy. I'm nodding <laughs> away here. Um, well, let's create this ecosystem of nodders, but people that actually do something about it. We are the tribe. There's more of us. So what? what's stopping us? Yeah, no, it's abs- it's absolutely right. And I think, and again, this is the point, right? It's to be action orientated. We're actually looking at mm. how do we drive? How do we connect? How do we reimagine together? But I want to put a final point yeah. in from my side. Is there something I'm going to be looking to create? I want to put it out there. And I'm inviting Kathleen in. I'm inviting Paul in, Lucy, anybody else that's interested. And I'm calling it dream state. And what that means is it's a slight play on words. I'm getting it developed by my graphic designer based in, in Brazil, um, Anna Dinardin, who's amazing. She's done all of my branding for the for the Hexo Change business. And what it is, it's D, D-E, which represents degrowth. So how do we move to a degrowth paradigm, not a growth car- um, uh, paradigm? How do we decenter? How do we decenter ourselves in the West? And what I, what I mean by that is not reduce our value, what I'm on about there is how do we put the people that are often unseen and unheard into the center of our dialogue? So those communities where we are extracting raw materials from that we often don't think about, how do we center mm. the unknown and unseen into the space? So that's the D part. The re part of dream, dream is re for regenerate. So how do we regenerate our human spirit so we can regenerate the planet? How do we rewild our thinking? How do we rewild our imagination? How do we rewild how we connect to nature? Yeah. And how do we recover? How do we recover from this addiction that we all have to modernity, to ease and convenience and quickness and fastness and nowness? So those are the five backbones of what's going to be these dream conversations, right? So there's going to be a bit about mm. reduction and reduce, a bit about reimagination and regeneration. And then the aim bit, which is why it's a bit of a play on the word dream, it's more like dream, but the point is, it's a, the aim bit then is action. So what are we actually going to do as we come together into these virtual and in-person spaces to imagine what we can do with less of and censor the people that we don't hear and see? How do we regenerate the human spirit, rewild our thinking, our connection to one another and systems and others? And then how do we actually take action towards whatever we're co-creating in these virtual spaces and in person together? Is that a space, Paul, that you'd be interested to be in? Love it. Gary, it's, it's, it's actually a space I'm in 
at the moment with with one of my models, which and you can you can steal this model if you like because oh, we can I, we can share uh, we, we can, can share because this is the other thing that I noticed as well. I'm, I've got to go on another rant here, but I I, and I'm coming back to your point here. But uh, so many of us are proprietary orientated and worry about IP and all this to, these days, right? If we share from a place of abundance rather than scarcity, then the universe will reward us and it will come back thrice fold. So here's my my suggestion to you, Gary. First, I'd love to be involved. And second, leverage the model that I've developed and we can co-create this and evolve this. But I call it the four R's. And, and picture a Venn diagram. Rethink at the top, reimagine, reinvent. And at, the, at that sweet spot is regenerate. So my whole approach to my work is basically taking that that model and I, I think it fits beautifully in what you're talking about here. And I would also say one other thing, and then again, I will be quiet. I've done a lot of work with indigenous communities around North America, and in particular in the Northwest Territories in Canada. And for anyone that's been up to those parts of the country, uh, it, you wanna talk about mic drop? It, it's absolutely, it mesmerizes me, the intelligence, the infinite, intelligence that indigenous peoples have and um i was doing some work to develop their their local economies but but my point of all this was that the only way that they moved forward was from dialogue so we we created this conversation cafe where we invited every single person in the community to your point gary the person that's voice whose voice wasn't heard we invited every person's voice who didn't feel they were heard into what we call a, a listening campaign, which is we, we had people in the community go out and interview the lost ones, the people that were, you know, addicts or um, suicidal. I mean, these are controversial conversations, right? Really controversial mm -hmm. conversations. And I was the white guy coming in, perceived by as another guy with a clipboard to, you know, kind of do whatever atrocities that, that Canada did. That's another conversation. But mm -hmm. um, we went in there and we listened. Two ears, one mouth for a reason. We listened to what the unheard wanted. And then we completely regenerated our approach to economic development based around that. The result, a flourishing locally generated economy that keeps money in the economy, puts people back in schools, puts people into jobs, and a flourishing culture. Now, if we could do that, what so, else uh, can we do? So um, why'd you wait till 54 minutes to share that bit, mate? You just wanted to get another show, didn't you? I know what you're up to. Because that, that that needs some focus. That yeah. needs some serious focus. I want to come back to that that conversation. That's a new one for us. So well, as, we go, as we go to wrap up, mate, I do need to let you go and me bugger off into the weekend. Because we could do this for three hours. Thank you, Michelle, thanks, for joining Michelle. us as well. Lovely to oh, see I love you. I love the two hearts either side of her name. Love it. I love know. it. She, she is awesome, as a, as indeed Lucy, Kathy, and everybody else is that's joined us like this. Thank you. This is so important because it's action orientated. It's positive. It's challenging. It's everything that I believe is our human experience. Right? Let's not suppress any bit of it. We need all of no. it. So, when are we going to book in our next slot to talk about that particular experience? Because that is really important stuff, mate. Seriously that important. Is. But, um, but before we go, so do tell 
I wanted to try and capture something. So people have heard this bit from Paul earlier on today that we've done a little bit of work together. And I'd love, I'm going to share the screen just briefly because my model, not that it's really a model, but I just want to do this because remember at the end of our five sessions, Paul, how I actually flipped this up on the screen. We're just like, okay, yeah, that's yeah, actually, yeah. that's actually Gary, where I am. You're just, you're just doing this because you're going to get another mic drop here, aren't you? This, this for me in our session, <laughs> in our sessions was the culmination of our work and everything that we had done in our sessions together um, culminated in this piece in the middle. I can't see the actual screen, embodiment. The embodiment, embodiment, embodiment. Um, yeah. And so for me, you know, as a as a pathfinder, you you are exceptional in actually meeting me where I was, using the language that I use to get inside my head, which believe me is a scary place to be sometimes, <laughs> and actually bring me along this journey in a guided sensitive way which was non-judgmental and actually has allowed me so I, I i'm so glad you're sharing this because because i've actually used this since our sessions and you know it's it's a litmus test for me so i really appreciate no i appreciate you adding the comment because the reason i wanted to share this for people is that this is just what we call a heuristic right it's not a model it's not you do six weeks with this particular section it's literally a way of being, which does lead to that embodiment. And I think what, why I wanted to share this is that everything Paul and I are riffing on now, we wouldn't have been able to riff on, I don't think, eight weeks ago. We get on well, we trust each other, we like each other's work, but there's a different depth to our connection now, not just because we've worked with each other, but we've gone to this different awareness of what we're both here to do. And I think we're both embodying the work we want to see more of in the world, right? And that just brings this completely different vibrational ability to weave. Like, what have we gone through today? DEI, mm. sustainability, systems, leadership, culture, like from a completely zero script. And I just think that's a gift. Like, And I want to thank everyone for joining us. And I want to thank you for showing up, mate, before we jump off. Because it's just, thank you. I just think this is, the, this is what's possible. Imagine a world of 7.8 billion people being able to show up as we both have and everybody has on this conversation for the last 60 minutes. Imagine if that was the norm. Yeah, and I'll tell you what else. Imagine this for big BHAG kind of concept as we wrap this up. Imagine if we create the conditions for that, right? And there'll be some naysayers that say, well, never, it will never happen. All right, great. Heard you. Thanks. Time for blame is done. You're not on this train. The train's leaving. But imagine if we actually use all of the lost resources, financial resources, talent, spiritual, whatever resources we want to bucket up, and we reinvested those resources, imagine what we could reinvest those resources in. Like, let's just take finance. If we didn't have $7 trillion a year disengagement, that's, that's more than some of the GDPs of some small countries, Gary. Imagine what we could do to elevate our consciousness and our leaders to the next level. Imagine. It's brilliant. And one of the first things I'd do is divert that money to those that most need it, who probably haven't got a roof over their head. Like, just get a roof over mm -hmm. everyone's head. Unconditional basic yeah. income. Put it on that. Boom. So there we go. There's another lens we can go down. So, yeah. mate, just I appreciate you, my friend. Thanks for showing up. Thanks, Kathleen, Michelle, Lucy, anybody else who's joined us. If you watch this back, challenge us. Tell us what you yeah. think is absolutely stark, raving bonkers about what we've explored today. Like, what's your view of it? What's right? You know, we're not trying to be right here. We've just both got an absolute deep inside of ourselves belief. 
that connection and debate and holding space are mm. currencies which are funny enough completely free to us we've just got to want to do it right yeah and that's the thing gary the other thing about challenge i mean we only grow from challenge right so we've got this concept in our head that challenge is a bad thing but you know and, and a lot of the thought leaders that you and i both play in the same space with they're one-sided nothing against them personally but they don't engage and this is where the gold is the engagement this is where this is where the key to our evolution is so if anyone wants to challenge me and say, you know what, what are you smoking? You're, you're crazy. You must be out on a limb. Fine. I'm here. You know where I am. Contact me and I'll, I'll definitely com converse with you. No issue. I love to be challenged. Now, do I always, do I always um, feel like comforted and, you know, cherries on top kind of thing with the challenge? No, because I'm human. But if we don't challenge each other, we don't grow. And if we don't challenge each other, we're in a dictatorship. And that's not what we're doing. We're actually evolving humanity through the work we do. We have a different lens, but we're doing the same thing. All Happy right. weekend, everyone. Well, that was... Um, I'm going to go get some Benedict now. Go and get some charged up, on fire. Brilliant. <laughs> Again, <laughs> love also, it. I, do, I really, really want to appreciate, um, you know, all of you coming along, Michelle, Kathleen, Lucy, you know, for really yeah. engaging with us as well, you know, really sharing your insights. Uh, Catholic, it's time to have the difficult conversations. Conflict actually leads to growth. Yeah, thanks, Kathleen, reinforcing your point. And it's hopefully people have seen this. It's fun, right? Yeah, it's it's boring just going. Yeah, naughty dog. Yeah, I'm just I'm afraid I might lose my job if I speak up. I'll just lose myself for the next twelve years. Like seriously, please, please, please. And I put a post out actually earlier this week. Don't wait to lose a loved one. Don't wait to get cancer. Don't wait till your mental health is so destroyed that, you know, these things all happen for different reasons, but quite a lot of it, back to your point, it's an inside out. As Kathleen mentioned, if we're not going inside and understanding our stories, our feelings, our emotions, what triggers us, what, what we care about, if we're not doing that bit first, the outside is always going to be a mess. Just will yeah. be. So please go inside, but do it with curiosity, lightness, fun, challenge and debate and come and yeah, get involved with us. We want to do this. And if any of you mm. want to join us, when Paul and I do this again, and we will at some point in the next few months, come and join us, Lucy. Come and join us, Michelle. Come and join us, Kathleen. We don't want it just to be a Gary Paul show. If you want to be in this debate, this exploration, join us. Like, I don't, I really want to evolve this platform to be something that's more. This is probably the mm -hmm. first time, actually, Paul, that it's been a bit more. I try and hold the space for the guest, but I'm, I think this sort of more back and forth dialogue is. Is probably a, hopefully a bit more interesting and a bit more sort of thought provoking. So if we can bring more people into the space, that might be fun as well. I think. I hundred percent agree with that. I think I think we get we get nuggets of wisdom from each other when we riff and we you know you went back to you know extinction rebellions one page manifesto. It's all they need, right? They don't need reams and reams. Same same with our thought you know our thought provoking conversations. Kathy comes on, Lucy comes on. They'll challenge us. I know you're in. I'm getting the T-shirts made. I'm really getting these T-shirts made. But but when we challenge each other in the moment, it stops us because we create the environment of trust and and, and care um, that um, that we can actually evolve ideas in the moment. We don't need a timesheet code for this stuff. We don't need permission. We are the permission, and everyone is welcome. So why why not? What's holding us back? Nothing. 
I love it. And what a brilliant way to wrap up the Right Here, Right Now show. Second time with Paul on it. And there'll be more times because this is the beauty of technology. Yes, it's a paradox. Yes, we do have to have, there are extracting materials that make up this computer, but we are going to get there. Like we are going to get there. And I think the more we can come together and share stories like this, Paul, is, and that's what we've done, right? This is, this is an exchange of stories. It's not an ex mm. exchange of judgment or being right. It's an exchange of experience. And I think, wouldn't it be lovely to exchange experience and not have to trade off the back of one another and instead trade alongside one another? Like, I just think it's oh, yeah. so much more exciting. Gary, that's going to be uh, the second book that I write is a collection of stories of, of fired leaders around the world and leaders yeah. who have the fired leadership qualities. Uh, so that's coming. And the first one isn't even finished yet. Right. Bugger off. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Lucy. <laughs> Thank you, my Thank friend. You, Cheryl. Cheers, Kathleen. Thank you Cheers, to everybody everyone. listening to this. And uh, yeah, always welcome. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you so much for joining us in that recent exploration. We hope you gained some value and we'd love to learn from you what you took away, what maybe challenged you, what new ideas that you have. Please do share this on your social media platforms if you feel moved. And you can find out more about HexoChange at hexochangenow.com where you can subscribe for the weekly or bi-weekly updates where I'll update you with regard to in-person events, blogs, blogs, service offerings, and other thoughts and ideas that come to mind. Hope to see you around.